Hefo, how are you, mate? Good, good. Here we go again. I was uh, that was my turn to do the fade out of the music, so I was pretty happy with that. It was average at best, <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing all right. Uh, episode number five, mate. Good to be back. Yeah, yeah. It's been a big week of football. Obviously, the A League Grand Final just happened last night. Talk of Messi leaving Barcelona, some movement in the A-League and players and Socceroos going to Asia and leaving the Premier League. So, yeah, there's been a lot happening in the game as well. Awesome, mate. Before we get into that, congrats on your appointment. Uh, W-League Wanderers head coach. Yeah, no, thank you. Really happy. And uh, it's going to be a great opportunity to build on everything that we started last season. There's a good foundation there now of, of players and of the culture that we wanted to bring in to the Wanderers and, and our training environment. And now by recruiting the right players, having the same coaching staff alongside me and Michael Beecham, Kaf Canuli, uh, and Michaela, who's our strength conditioning coach. Then we've got a good group of staff, group of players to, you know, try and break every single record that we sent last, that we set last season. And that'll be our goal for this year. So yeah, really happy, mate. Awesome, mate. Um, how's any any new squad signings? How's the team looking? Squad's looking good. We've been working hard behind the scenes for two, three months now, trying to get the right players in. More so, retaining the players that we wanted to retain from last season, um, and bringing in some new faces to freshen up as well and improve in certain areas of the squad. Um, we're unsure of what's going to happen with visa players and the timing of the league um, compared to other leagues around the world and whether or not it's possible to be able to loan players from overseas or not. So we're just focusing all our attention on locally based players. Obviously, there's a lot of Matildas that have moved overseas as well now. So there shouldn't be um, there shouldn't be too many too many Matildas in one club, for example, or not enough Matildas in another club where I think it might actually help the league in terms of um, the level of competition across teams. You know, if you looked at Melbourne City last season that had seven or eight Matildas and the rest were Visa international players as opposed to a Canberra or an Adelaide that didn't have any really and, and their international players weren't actual national team players either. So I think there won't be as much of a disparity between teams as well, which would be good for the league. And yeah, like I said, for us, we've, we're moving. We're, we've got a good nucleus of a squad together and um yeah we'll use that to build on other players and attract other players with the level that we've got there at the moment fantastic mate and i've got to make a comment um seen the post midweek from the wanderers we've known each other a long time mm-hmm. <laughs> cheeky grin from dean 25 years did you sign off on that photo mate <laughs> <laughs> oh look i actually didn't even notice I didn't even look at it and then someone sent me a message about it and when I had a look, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's, there you go. At least they got my good side. It was, man. It's, um, you're looking more and more like me every day, so well done with all those uh, multiple chins. Oh, man, I look like one of those sharp pay dogs, you know, with all the little rolls <laughs> on my neck. Nah, it's good. It's uh, good. Good Good value, mate. You're looking good. good. Um, you're aging very well, so well done. <laughs> Look, it takes it takes the expectation off it when they see me face to face. I'm like, oh, he's he's actually not that ugly. You've slimmed down a little bit. Yeah, he's lost a bit of weight. Yeah. Doesn't have neck rolls and yeah, yeah good. Awesome, mate. And a um, lot happening in football globally. Um, Messi 
such a big uh, news story at the moment. What are your thoughts with it? Oh, I'd love to see him go to another club. Um, I'd love to see him in the English Premier League. Obviously, it's just easier for us to watch here through Optus and um, it's the most watched league in the world. There's so many good players there. It's something that you know, I think every football fan wants to see and you get that age-old question they always used to say, oh, but can he do it on a cold night at Stoke and then things like that. We might actually find out, um, you know, Pep Guardiola and the time they spent together and how much he helped develop Messi as a player and I think um, if we can see those two back together, that would be great. The only other option I'd love to see is if he actually went to Juventus and imagine you got to see... Crazy. Crazy. Messi and Ronaldo together in the one strike force lineup uh, would who, make who would take the free kicks and penalties? Oh, <laughs> fisticuffs! Do you know, do you know <laughs> I think I think Messi would step aside and let Ronaldo have it because he just seems like that You're kind true. of guy, doesn't he? he? You know, he he'd would. be like, "Ah, oh, you have it, mate. I'm all good." So there's really only what City, um, maybe Inter, Juventus, PSG, United. We know he's not going to go to United. That's not going to happen. Well, I heard the. United and City are the two big ones at the moment. So, look, hopefully it's the Premier League. I'd love to see him in the Prem. And it'll be a good way to say, okay, is it too late for him to go to the Premier League? Is it, um, you know, has he slowed down too much? Which I I don't think so. He's He's that good he could do it. He's that good. He'll find a way. He'll figure it out in the first 15 minutes of each game or five or whatever it takes. But he'll figure out a way to beat a team. On his own. Let me put you on the spot here. In terms of um, contracts, he had a release clause apparently that he could leave for free in June. COVID has hit, extended the seasons. He's apparently submitted through a release um, from the club in August, which technically under, I think, FFA rules or whatever it is, extends the con- the terms of the contracts. Um, there's a clause in there, I think, for his release for about $800 million, somewhere around that. Do you think he'll get off? And do you think he'll, do you think Barcelona are going to let him go for free? One year remaining on his contract. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, COVID has just thrown a such a such a curveball at at everything. You can you know, and that's like obviously the highest end of the scale with Messi's contract and the sort of money we're talking about because we're seeing it here locally with A League players and or their contracts expiring today and tomorrow and still not knowing, you know, what's happening with our league here. And this is just another example, obviously a lot more amplified because of who it is and which club it's from. So it depends on what was spoken about when COVID actually hit. And I know here in Australia that there was an agreement made between the players' union and the clubs to extend the current contracts and the current CBA Till the end of August 31, which allowed them to finish the league in hubs as they did as of last night. Which sounds like what's the, what they've done in Europe as well. At a minimum, it all, all, yeah, it all would have been covered off. Um, so really, Messi's contract, instead of finishing in June, like you said, and having that clause, it would have been extended to finish in August, which that clause would have been part of that greater scheme of the contract, which means that it should be fine. Player value, though, is huge in terms of the player himself off the pitch. I think Ronaldo did $60 million or something in jersey sales in the first 24 hours with Juventus. Messi can't be too far off that. It's madness. Yeah, it's, there's so much money to be made in, um, in 
jersey sales on these kind of players. It's huge. And whatever club he goes to, that's going to be a massive factor as well. Getting a little slice of that in his contract as well. Big salaries. Uh, oh, it's huge. Big, big, big dollars. So we'll, we'll wait and see what happens with that. Um, Aaron Moy has left Brighton, um, signed with Shanghai. Thoughts on this one? Look, I, there was a bit of talk on soccer Twitter. So the soccer fans on Twitter are saying, what's he doing? He's, he's leaving the Premier League. And, and I, I understand all that, but you've got to think of it from his point of view. He's got a multi-year deal and a lot more money, a lot more money that will set. We're talking generational type money. So he's going to set up his kids' kids with this contract and this move to Shanghai. So congratulations to him. He'll be playing with some top players. I played in China many moons ago, and back then the level was very, very high. The type of players they're attracting now in terms of marquee players um, are even better than when I was there. I think the year after I left is when they started getting players like Drogba and Elka. And it's... It's an established club. It's a club with a bit of stability over there in China as well, which doesn't happen too often. It's one of the top clubs. You've got, obviously, Shanghai where Aaron's going. You've got Guangzhou Evergrande, another huge club that's been there for a long time that actually pay the salary of these players. So um, I know the other Shanghai team, Shanghai Shanghua, they were the team that got Nicholas Anelka, Didier Drogba, and who knows if they've been paid yet in full. But... I know with this team, you've got players there, Hulk's there still. He's been there for three or four years. If he wasn't getting paid, he'd be gone. He'd be gone, you know. So he's going to a a solid club where he can be comfortable that he's going to get the money that's been promised to him. And as I said, it's generational money that will set up his family for forever. I think with Aaron as well, mate, he he was kind of on the fringe at Brighton. He wasn't playing week in, week out. So I think... um, if anything, he got a lot of stick on I seen on social media about people um, commenting that he's leaving the Premier League and you know going out. I think if anything, it, it, he's going to be playing week in week out anyway. And he's got good players around him. And as I said, he'll be in the centre of midfield in China up against other players that have been poached from the Premier League or um, other players from around the world, top players. Because normally, if you're going to have visa players as a football club in a league, you would go a centre-back, a defensive midfielder, a number 10 and a striker. So you've got that spinier team, rock solid with experienced international footballers. So he's going to be coming up against players of his cut from the same cloth every other week. So it'll be fine for him. I'm happy for him. Um, he's a top guy. He's done so well in his career. He's, he's achieved a lot of things. And he'll go over there and he'll play Asian Champions League He'll still be playing for the Socceroos. Shorter flight to get here. Yeah, it's it's good. It's I think a it's a good move. thing for the Socceroos as well because if he's again, if he's playing week in week out, that's a good opportunity for him. Um, the the English Premier League's a tough league to play in. You're playing what two or three games a week. It's hard on the body, mate. It's bus. You're talking bus rides. Um, you know, yeah. So you got Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So you might go from. Huddersfield to London on a five, six-hour bus trip, play your game or stay the night before, play your game, get that bus trip back, have a massage, light session, and then another bus trip to another game and then back. Same thing. Like you said, two, three times a week. He'll get an extra two years out of himself playing in China. Yeah, good. Good, good one. And locally as well, uh, probably, you know, there's a stack of news as it's all kind of happening over the last 24 hours, but I know we've spoken about Kikache. 
from uh, Wellington, um, going across to Kevin Mus- Musket's side. Yeah, top player, great move for him. Still very young, but you can see he's on another level. When you watch him play for Wellington and he's up against these other players in the A-League, um, in a very tough league, the A-League, in a team where he has to travel three, four hours every game. He's performed for the last two or three seasons consistently. Great move for him. Good pickup for Kevin Musket. And, yeah, look forward to watching him play in Europe and plying his trade over there and getting better. Now, before we jump to the grand final, the other one is Lafondra. Um, news coming out again, Indian Super League or even Sunderland? Oh, yeah. New, new season of Sunderland coming up uh, as well. I think they're, they're looking to do another one, so you might get a bit of a, a Netflix thing going on there. But anyway, yeah, look, uh, that move's been in the works for quite some time, I believe. Um, there's other players, Joel Kianese, he's headed off to the Indian Premier League, Super League as well. There'll be a couple more as he's heading over there in the next couple of weeks, I, I dare say, with all the uncertainty and the cuts that are happening here in the A-League. I think players are going to shake hands and, and move on to other leagues around the world. And um, it's a shame to see them go, but it's also it's the next step. LaFondra's been here. He's done that now. He's been at the top of the list for goal scoring, and he's you know done ever so well for Sydney FC. Great bit of recruitment from them. And if he goes, I'm, I'm hearing that Bobo will come back, and he was one of their best players they've had there as well. And... Um, that just sums up Sydney. They're a juggernaut, well-organised. They recruit well every year. They lose top players, but bring in top players that almost pick up where they left off or are even better than what they had the year before. They've got their system of play. They recruit players to suit that system and they just keep pushing forward and it's uh, good for them, good for LaFondra to get a move. Awesome, mate. And before we go any further, let's get into the good stuff. Uh, A-League Grand Final. Just as, as a summary, 11-month long season, uh, four of which, four months in complete lockdown due to COVID, interstate, international relocations, you know, 14-day quarantine periods, uh, and the final six teams in isolation from family and friends. Crazy season, long season. Overall thoughts, mate, on, this, on the A-League season as a whole? Yeah, it did. Did you mention? Sorry, I was getting a drink of water while you were saying. That. <laughs> Did you mention that um, that half of these teams are sitting in quarantine now just to get home as well? No, I didn't, man. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So obviously, Brisbane Roar and other teams that are travelling in a stay, in, in particular Brisbane Roar, because I'm seeing a lot of it on Twitter, and um, the coach posted a picture of his breakfast that got delivered to his room. Yesterday morning, and it looked horrific. <laughs> it looked horrific. It was a Vegemite and cheese sandwich. It looked like two bits of cardboard with a, a day-old piece of cheese slapped on there. Too much, way too much Vegemite, by the way. And I'm talking peanut butter amounts worth of Vegemite. It's just not right. So, um, yeah, doesn't look good. Not good for these players. They've been in hubs for, as we said, six weeks for these finals and to finish the season and then to have to go home and, and do it all again there. It's it's not good. I hope they're all good. I hope um, mentally they're able to support each other. I have spoken to the PFA about the Brisbane Raw players in particular um, and in terms of doing a senior C licence online for them and getting through all the fury work over the next few days and that's something I'm going to help out FFA and, and run that course for them 
through Zoom meetings and so they can at least have a C license at the end of this week of quarantine as well. Nice one, um, yeah, so that'd be good. That'd be interesting. And, um, you know, then what happens from there is they go away and they can go and watch their Brisbane Roar Academy, for example, do some sessions there and, and maybe step in with some of the coaches mm-hmm. and finish off the practical element of being a senior C or B licensed coach. So, um, we've done that before with the Wanderers through the PFA and it worked quite well and mate, it's, it's the Brisbane Raw players as well ringing and trying to get things happening so they're not just sitting in their rooms twiddling their thumbs. So good initiative from them and well done in the PFA for helping get that over the line. All right. And on, on the big match, it was, a, it was a very tight game, which was all to be expected. Head to head this year, you know, Sydney and City both won. In very tight games, I think it was 2-1 and City won 2-0 a few weeks back. Summarising though, I guess Alex, Alex Wilkinson, um, grand final, or sorry, marked his sixth grand final. Uh, Ryan Grant claimed the 2020 Joe Marston medal, so player of the match, which I think was highly well deserved. The guy's an absolute beast and a workhorse. And the, guy, and the guys finally got to play against... You know, in front of a decent crowd of seven and a half thousand people at Bankwest Stadium. Yeah, really good. I and I, yeah, great to see Alex Wilkinson um, set a record of six grand finals and lifting the trophy yet again. Um, as you said, I think Ryan Grant they missed him in those last few rounds, but they had already secured the premiership. Um, so allowing him to recover and play that semi-final and then the grand final and maybe that time off for him is why he was able to inject so much effort and energy into that grand final last night. Great player to watch. Seems like a really good bloke as well. Um, so always good to see along the same lines as, as Wilco. We had him on the show last week. So calm, cool and collected and having someone like that in the change room, especially towards the end of the season when they were losing those games just to kind of keep everyone's head above water say hey boys it's okay get in here it's okay we're missing players we're testing new players we're testing younger players giving them some experience when we get into the finals it's business as usual for us and we keep playing our normal football and we keep get our players back who have played most of the season and I think that sort of calming influence would have kept them nice and relaxed leading into the final. Wilco played really well mate he was solid both the boys at the back were very, very solid for Sydney yeah, look, I think exactly right. And they've played in, the, as you said, you know, I think that's Sydney's fifth championship. But just in the last four or five years in particular, Sydney's always playing in the big games. And you could see that with them last night, that especially in that first 30 minutes, you could see Melbourne City were all guns blazing. They were They started the game really well, but they just couldn't keep that level for the whole 90 minutes. Sydney were happy to absorb pressure, sit back, let Melbourne City burn some energy, and then they just slowly turned the screws and um, they're almost like a steam train. They just built up to that level and then just overran the game and uh, were able to to win it in the end. Key talking points, mate. There was a lot of there was a lot of big moments throughout the match. Um, Steve Corica had a you know had to make some choices with his lineup. Yep, so he left Bom Johan out for Caceres, and that's uh, it was an interesting one. And a lot of people, I think, over those last few rounds in the season when Caceres was playing majority of the games, or he played a lot of games at 
as one of the holding midfielders as well. And no matter where he played, he was always very consistent in his level with the ball. But in particular, the big difference for Caceres is, is without the ball and defensively, um, he's always in and around, provides that bit of cover for the back four when needed in terms of his pressing out. If he's playing at 10, he's very good at that as well, getting out to the fullback early and, and quickly. And I think that's probably what separated um, him and Bum Johan going into the grand final, his defensive capabilities. And you saw that once the game slowed down a little bit and they were absorbed the pressure Melbourne City had used all their energy in those early stages of the match. And obviously they still had moments where they could have hurt Sydney, but that was the time towards the end of the game to bring someone like Bom Johan and Trent Bahaja on to snatch one or two goals on the break because we know Sydney like to sit off and in their half and, and play on the counter at times as well. Mate, I think it was the perfect uh, substitution at the right time. 70 minutes in, it, it obviously changed the game. Um, Scott Jamison was, you know, he was a big loss for City as well, being the leader. Um, the boy in the back left had a great game. Yeah, he did. And look, Jamo, for any team, is an important player. He's a he's a big character. He's the leader for Melbourne City. And, um, you know, he, he's one that will always chat to a ref or the other team, captain, whoever it might be. He won't, he won't let teams walk all over him or bully them or anything like that. He's he's a stand-up guy, Jamo. Um, some, sometimes he does it in the wrong way, but... For the last few years, he's, he's done it in the right way in terms of being a leader and making sure that his team always get a fair go in terms of refereeing decisions and, and backing up his teammates as well. So he was always going to be a big loss. And then you see Atkinson come in, who I think was very, very good and provided that little bit of a difference that you don't get from a lot of left backs where he, because he's a natural right footer, he wants to come inside and dribble across the field towards the right-hand side, which actually opens up the whole field for him to change sides or whatever it might be. And because Sydney FC actually try to force opposition fullbacks inside, it almost played into his hands a little bit. It could be a little tactic for the future to <laughs> to put opposite side players as fullbacks and, and take that invitation to drive inside with the ball on your stronger foot. And that's what Atkinson did, and he did it very well. Um, the only thing would, with him I found was... Uh, he got a little bit emotional towards the end of the game and he got in the rest face and there was probably a couple of occasions where he should have got a free kick towards the end of the game there. He should have had a couple of extra calls, but I think because of the way he went at Chris... Frustration, yeah. Because yeah. of the way he went at Chris Beef, Chris Beef just waved it up, waved it play on. And that actually really annoyed me as well. If it's a free kick, it's a free kick. Give the kid a free kick. Um, but this is, you just got to know how to handle referees. And if someone like Jamo was on the field there, he would have put his arm around Atkinson and kept him calm. And they may have got those couple free kicks, which on the edge of the box these days and with the players at City got, they could have put a top corner. He, he did remind me of another guy that played in left back in the red and white, maybe one of the um, Melbourne Heart. Yeah. Angry man. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's the gluten, mate. It's the gluten. It's gluten. It's gluten. <laughs> and the well. dairy. All right. <laughs> Moving right along from that one. Uh, the VA, well, the goal, mate, for Melbourne City, or non-goal, we should say. What, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, well, it's, it's the rules. You know, if there's a player in an offside position obstructing the keeper's view, then the goal's disallowed. 
whether or not he was, uh, I was, when I first saw it, I thought, yeah, that's a fair goal. You know, if anyone was blocking the view, it was his own players, but it's the He's rules. Outside. Just jump yeah. out of the way. Yeah. Or, but he wasn't to know. Young Lockie Wales, he thought he was just putting himself in a position out of the way of the striker, but Sydney, with those experienced defenders, just stepped up those two metres as the ball went backwards, and that's why you ask your defenders to do that. Yeah, I think no VAR, it's a goal. VAR, I, I, I think the rule's the rules. So I think it's a, a no goal. Not much. You move on. Yep. Um, it, and then it went to the other side of the field, mate. Lafondra came down, you know, it was, it was waved on as a no pen. Anything on that one? Yeah, look, uh, some when I first looked at it, I thought it was a pen. Second time I looked at it, thought it wasn't a pen. Uh, when we first, When I first got in here today, you said, you mentioned that his touch was a bit heavy. And if it hadn't have been, he probably would have tried to get the shot. I tend to agree with you. His touch got a little bit away from him. He felt the contact. He went down and maybe a bit too easy. So I could think have, it was the right call in the end. Probably. Could have gone either way. And I think where the match was at, I think it was the right call. You don't want to pull up a soft pen. Um, there was no contact on the feet. And as, as you already said, I, I thought his touch was heavy. And had he had he taken it a little bit easier, I think it would have been a much more compelling uh, reason for the referee to blow the whistle. Yeah, exactly, mate. I agree. Game rolled on, mate. Second half, um, Sydney started to come into the game much more and started to dominate the play. Yeah, they did. They did. They. It was interesting in that first half as well that they tried to force uh, Melbourne City to to play long or risk playing short and trying to play around because they know Melbourne City would like to play football. So Sydney FC challenged them with their positioning and with um, their their high positioning in terms of um, the strikers being right on the edge of the box, the midfielders being nice and high, fullbacks getting ready to swing around if needed onto the opposition fullback if they did decide to play short. But Melbourne City have that other part up their sleeve where they will play long while the game's stretched and look for fling on, flick-ons into space. But I think they soon realised that with McGowan and, and Wilco there, Sydney backed themselves and said, OK, well, we'll stretch ourselves and if you try and take that gamble of playing long, we'll back our centre-backs to win the headers every day of the week. And then you have to defend us from these stretch positions. So it was interesting to see how that played out. In the end, Melbourne City just pushed Sydney out. And as you, as you noticed, they were just crowding around the halfway line to win flick-ons and win second balls. But as soon as it goes into second phase, that's where Sydney FC dominate teams. Um, they win the first, they win the second ball, then they open up and teams kind of sit off and wait to get beaten by Sydney. Then you have the midfielders rotating with fullbacks. You have the nines and tens coming in and out of pockets and those little interchanges they do on the edge of the box, like, for example, that one into Lafondra, or the fullbacks coming in from out wide, which they scored off. So um, they just started to dominate in the end, Sydney, and uh, they yeah, it was going to be a matter of time till they scored. Yeah, as you said, I thought they really compressed the play um, and they, and they, they took McLaren out of the game as well. I thought that was one thing they they sort of squashed him behind and like you said, Wilco, um, you know, and the and the boys kind of really really tightened things up at the back. Um, one thing I will say actually on on the um, the overall broadcast or whatever you want to call it, uh, you can see the play and how they're set out in the field with all the views. I know that's happened the last few weeks, but I really picked it up in the final. It's good because that's what people want to see as well. You know, we did, I don't want to see a close-up. 
No, I, I, yeah, it's an interesting. That's he, why I don't like watching AFL because I feel like I'm just watching close-ups of little little ruck, what they call it, little rucks here and there. They get a punch out, and then there's another ruck, and you want to see the whole field and see, oh, okay, that's what he does to try and find space over there, and that's where he moves to create space for his teammate. And you yeah, could I see, agree. You could see the formations go out, and then they come in, and then they go on out again, and then they're tightening up. So if that made any any sense to anyone, well done. Cause yeah, <laughs> it's a simple game, mate. You got you got the ball, make it big. You got you don't have the ball, make the pitch small. But you're right, and McLaren. Honestly, I, I don't know if he touched the ball in the second half, that whole second half. So there's two ways of defending someone like, that likes to make runs in behind. You either sit deep so that when the balls do go um, in behind, it's either going to your keeper or for a goal kick, or you press really high. And if they do try and play out, they don't make it through your first line of defenders, which is your attackers. And, yeah, they really nullified uh, Jamie McLaren. He looked frustrated after the game, to be fair. He did. Uh, the boys rolled on to, into extra time. Um, one of the standouts for me was Luke Bratton. He was into everything. He's, uh, he's just a top player. His passing's on another level, what he sees. And for a player his age as well, he's always – I remember back in the days when Brisbane Raw were winning everything and in such style under Ange Postacoglu. And every single player and coaching staff would all say uh, – this is when Luke Bratton was still on the fringe because Eric Pardalou was there, you had Thomas Broich there, Matty Mackay, Madoka. And they said, nah, the best passer at the football club is Luke Bratton. And he's like, okay, well, I'm looking forward to seeing this guy. And he's been doing it for... Physicality-wise as well. He was into everything. Yeah, low centre of gravity. And he's a little bulldog. You know, he's he's what you want in a little midfielder. Ping the ball across to Ryan Grant. Cracker of a goal. Yeah, it was decent, and you've seen Ryan Grant. He makes those, especially when, like we said, when Sydney win the ball and, and they start to play football inside the opposition half, the opposition just drop further and further and further. And when they're on the edge of the box, that's you're either looking for those short little combinations in the centre of the box, which LaFondra got that opportunity, or you're looking for your, your full-backs. Very Barcelona-type goal, that into the fullback and um, Ryan Grant is coming through and finishing it off. I think if he heads it, mate, it doesn't go in. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Oh, I'm not sure. Few people saying that no, I'm, he should I'm telling have been, you. I'm no, telling. No, no, cheers, mate. <laughs> Few people saying he should have got a second yellow for pulling his shirt over his head. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Yeah, no maybe. One. No one. But he, mate, to, 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 I think. Hey, it, but it's the rules. Like we said, you put your shirt over your head. Yeah, okay, it's a grand final. But Lockie Wales is and, it shirt off or shirt over the head? Over the head. Is it? Is that a yellow card? It's a yellow card. There you go. That's a stupid yellow card. But anyway, it is. Um, but I think that he took the he took um, the speed off the ball, and the, and the keeper was red hot. And um, had he headed it down, I think he would have probably got some got a hand on it. So yeah, perfect angle. Ryan Grant was the hero on the Knights, Melbourne City. Where where from here, mate? Where do they go? Season's a wrap. There'll be some changes next year. There's news coming out. Uh, the manager's going to move on. Yeah, I've, I've been hearing for a couple of weeks now that he was going to head back to France and for family reasons and personal reasons, and fair enough. He's a long way from home. He's done a fantastic job to build what I believe is probably the most successful city side. You know, it's obviously the first team to, to make a grand final in the A-League, and they've always been uh, there or thereabouts, and um, I think this is the year where we've seen them at their most consistent all the way through and all the way through to a grand final. Um, if he does leave, it's it's possibly it's his choice, but who they bring in after that will be critical. 
um, because I know City are as keen to develop coaches as they are players and they've had someone there like Patrick Cazorbo who was a former captain of the club. He's been his assistant this season and was obviously in the coaching staff the last couple of seasons as well. Um, he's worked with City's youth teams before taking over as head coach of the W League as well. He led them to a championship and now he's worked as Warren Joyce's assistant last season. So he's, he's possibly someone, especially with the way um, the league is at the moment, the unknown that we're going in, the uncertainty around the league and the salary cap, the money, coronavirus, all these moving parts that are happening and the goalposts are in a different position every time you look up. So maybe someone, a local young coach like Kisnorbo, who knows all the players as well, is a good option for them to keep building on uh, what they've created this year. What's Is there any news out of there that you can share or is it all kind of up in the air at the moment? Well, I know there's there's not much time um, for FFA to rest now that the grand final's over. Um, planning's been underway. I know there's been a lot of negotiations this month between the PFA, the clubs, the players, and obviously FFA. Um, we've got one year to, to get ourselves organised because the current Fox sports broadcast deal is valid for this coming season. When this season starts, we're not sure, but we know it'll be the early months of 2020, 2021. It was previously flagged for the December start date, but with all the uncertainty around the duration of state border restrictions, um, they've had to push it back, and, and rightly so. So next year's A-League and W-League start, will start um, in early 2021. And an exact date, hopefully, will come once we know more about the pandemic and things like that. But at least there's discussions, right? And that's their only focus now as well. They've finished the league. Um, well done to all the players and staff and everything they went through and sacrificed to be able to finish out the league and get us to this point now where we can look towards growing the game and, and keeping the game alive. Yeah, awesome, mate. I think uh, the... Uh you know, the season, it's been a very successful season under extreme times, under COVID. Uh, it's been challenging and, and as you've touched on many times before, it's a credit to all the players to keep things rolling and, and, and looking to the future rather than the short term. Well, Hefo, uh, we're at the end of the A-League season. Uh, we're only five episodes in. We'll continue to do a football chat. Anyone out there that is listening, please like and share. You know, we're on the socials. We're pushing hard. The plan is to keep rolling out some content and we'll talk, you know, some international football and what's happening with the Socceroos and any other news that, that's coming up very soon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to everyone soon. Thank you. Thank you.